WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote, and I'm here at Stately Chateau Lazowitz with uh, Matt. We are hosting an emergency San Diego podcast. It has been quite a San Diego, and it is Sunday morning, so there is still the possibility that we're going to do this. And when we record our normal episode tomorrow, we might have to append, because who knows what could happen today. Yeah, the the, the West Coast is going to uh, F us, but, uh, you know, if, if I may just sort of have a general overall reaction to what happened this weekend, uh, it's, holy shit? Yeah, I don't, th- I, I don't feel like we've gotten this many real comics-related announcements out of San Diego in a few years. Yeah, it's been a minute, but even even like the movie stuff, there's there's meat there. I oh. mean, first, I mean, first topic on the list. I mean, let's talk about Marvel Studios. You know, I've been saying, I, I said it two episodes ago. You know, we haven't seen Marvel do like a oh here's everything we're doing through X year thing since like 2013 or whenever it was. Well, we got that. Who oh, did we ever? <laughs> and it is mostly, I won't say unexpected. But it is mostly characters that would have, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, been B-tier or lower. Thor is the only A-lister. I mean, a Black Widow to a degree, but she's never headlined her own film yet. And I mean, yes, we got, um, here. We're, we're definitely doing Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2, but that was off to the side compared yeah. to the, the big announcements. Uh-huh. Yeah, so kind of let's let's go through this meat and potatoes, which is a mix of movies and also projects on the Disney Plus streaming service uh, that I will have no choice but to subscribe to. Yeah, uh, very soon. But uh, so it starts May first, twenty twenty. We're getting Black Widow, uh, which I assume has to be a, a prequel film. You know, just based on the fact that she did. Um, Either that or it's Black Widow in Soul World, experiencing her life again and finding her way out of Soul World. Maybe that could be interesting. The backdoor way to introduce Adam Warlock. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, Scarlett Johansson. I know Taskmaster's been cast to be in the movie, although I don't know who's playing him. David Harbour's in it as the Red Guardian. So he, he's going to be in a comic book movie that's a hit. He he wa- I feel like he wants it. Oh yeah. He, he wanted to be Hellboy, and that didn't work out too well. But. <laughs> He he wants this. I mean, it's it's Hopper punching people. What what more do you need? <laughs> no, all about it. All yeah. for it. Uh, you know, and since he's he's not going to be busy with Stranger Things, um, it's tear. But uh, all right, let me uh, scroll through here. Uh, okay, all right. So next on the docket, we got Eternals, November twenty twenty. Uh, Angelina Jolie, Kumail Nanjiani. Very excited to yeah. see him in a Marvel movie. Salma Hayek. Um, don't know who's playing who. Assuming Angelina's playing Cersei. That would be my assumption. I mean, Sama Hayek, maybe, but I I think Angelina Jolie's the bigger name and Cersei's the bigger, the most well-known Eternal. The only one I can name from memory. Um, I'm trying to think. Makari. Because he was the... The le- fast one. Yeah, because he was the... No, no, he wasn't the Well, lead. he was the lead in Game of Eternals, right? Yes. And there yes, was an Icarus? Was. Is there an Icarus? Icarus. Yes, Icarus okay. and Makari were... Icarus, Makari, and Cersei were the three main ones in Eternal. The Gaiman one. Yeah. I'm curious if we're going to see Celestials. 
since they're so core they have to the shown Eternals. them before right we saw them I mean Guardians kind of in shadow and uh, oh what's it call it uh, Dark World because they were you see them with the ether oh wow yeah. yeah well that shows you when the last time I was I watched Thor the Dark World yeah it was interesting uh, when Rick of Jeff and Rick Presents was on the show he talked about the podcast that he did with a couple of Smash Fiction hosts and some mm-hmm. other people where they ranked the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, Dark World was... It was... Of the 22 films, it was either 20 or 21. Yeah, that's, I, that's about right. Incredible Hulk was 22 on literally all six people on the panel's list. That's fair. Yeah. That's incredibly yeah. fair. All right, next up, now we're getting into the Disney Plus stuff. Fall 2020, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, so, Anthony Mackie with The Shield... Uh, one of my favorite moments of Endgame, uh, Sebastian Stan. Uh, we know they've got good buddy cop chemistry. Oh, yeah. Look at that third name, though. Yeah. Daniel Bruhl. They're bringing, bringing Zemo Zemo back. Yeah. I like um, that. Yeah, absolutely. He was... I re- re-watched Civil War recently, and he was an interesting villain. I think he might be the beginning of that turn the villain into turn the more around. interesting villains. Oh, by the way, to everyone out there who has not seen Endgame, just in case, not even about spoilers about this, because we were vague, don't go to Target for the next few weeks. I was in a Target yesterday, and on their big screen over the DVDs where Uh they show uh upcoming stuff, um, Endgame comes out on Blu-ray and DVD August 13th. Mm They have a trailer for it. It's not, you know, not a movie trailer, movie theater trailer. It's, you know, a trailer for the DVD. It shows every major twist in that movie. It, does it show the Iron Man snap? It shows the Iron Man snap. It shows Cap with Mule there. It shows Cap saying Avengers Assemble. It shows uh, Ant-Man going Giant Man and smacking down Thanos monsters. Every major twist. It shows the two Caps fighting. Every major twist in that movie it's that scene from The Simpsons where Homer's in the video store and the guy goes, he watches the McBain sequence. The guy's, you want to rent it? Why? I just saw all the best parts right here. <laughs> I was like, really? I was mesmerized by all the spoilers in this little trailer. <laughs> Screw you! But you got to see America's ass again. And I, I think that's did. what matters. <laughs> it is. All right, next up on the docket, we got Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which, first of all, great name. Absolutely. I love these sort of extended, pulpy uh, names. Um, Mandarin's supposed to be in this. Yes. So we're getting, we're get, well, I mean, it says it right in the title. We're getting the Ten Rings back. Can we get the fake Mandarin back? Please, let's get let's get some Ben Kingsley. Let's have him, you know, Shang-Chi's fighting his way through the Mandarin's fortress. He opens the door, and he's just in there. Just like a brief yeah. cameo. He looks at... Ben Kingsley, Ben Kingsley, look at him, and he just slowly shuts the door. Isn't that like the X Men cameo in Deadpool two? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it either oh, way. I, yeah, that's, <laughs> that is a good point. Um, I want to. I said this to you off mic, and I'm saying it now to put it on record. My money is on them replacing Fu Manchu with the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. I think that the Mandarin will be Shang Chi's father. It also the lead who is playing Shang Chi is in a series on Netflix called Kim's Convenience that I've heard really good things about. It's a Canadian sitcom about a Korean family that now lives in Canada that own a convenience store. And 
the reviews have been very positive. I've heard some really good stuff about it, and it's kind of on my high on my Netflix queue, and now I really want to see it. That and Aquafina, who, if you haven't seen either uh, Ocean's 8 or Crazy Rich Asians, she is wonderful in both. I, I haven't seen either of those, but I had, did see her uh, host SNL last season, and that was also a delight. Um, all right, coming up next, back to Disney+, Plus, WandaVision. Um, another good name. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, back in the saddle. Um, I guess we have to rebuild the vision. <laughs> we can rebuild him, make yeah. him stronger. and More unfailingly British. <laughs> and they have announced that... I'm going to murder her name, so I apologize her. Tayona Paris? Tayona Paris is Monica Rambeau. <gasps> yes. Yay! Lieutenant Troublemaker. Yes, that will be... Uh, we will see a grown-up Monica Rambeau. So I am very excited for that. I love my Rambos. Um, including John, I guess. Uh, <laughs> distant cousin. Um, then, uh, also Disney Plus, Spring 2021, Loki... Uh, Tom Hiddleston's wacky adventures with the uh, Tesseract. <laughs> yes. I assume. That's where I'm going. Then, back in the great name department, uh, back in the in the movies department, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I love that title. Right? That is a great freaking title. With Elizabeth Olsen. So, uh, Wanda, back in the saddle. Yep. Scott Derrickson, uh, back as director. I'm curious if we're going to get some more Mordo. I mean, he also was a more layered villain, although he wasn't really the villain of that piece until the very, very end. He was the conflicted supporting cast member who made a choice. Yes. And that choice was evil. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, and then this is this is an interesting one, and one that I did I was I had not heard about before, uh, and it does show sort of the reintroduction of certain elements from other uh, companies back into the MCU. But uh, what if an animated series with Jeffrey Wright voicing the Watcher? I'm curious if this is going to be what ifs out of the MCU or what ifs from across Marvel. I mean, it's animated, so you can pretty much do whatever you want. It sounds like they're going to get a lot of the, the voice talent from, you know, the movies and stuff. But, I mean, you could do what if... The Avengers never fixed the snap. Or, or, I, I would be interested in what if Captain America failed to stop Hydra in Winter Soldier. Ooh. I think that would be mm -hmm. interesting. I know they did something like that on one of the seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where there was a alternate Matrix-like reality where Hydra ran the world. But oh, yeah. they didn't have any of the Avengers that they could use. No. So it would be more interesting if you could have Cap leading an underground or Cap dead and Falcon and Black Widow having to gather people to avenge Captain America. And it gives you more time with characters like, you know, Rumlow or Arnim Zola and, and stuff like that. So I'm definitely all about that. Uh, speaking of things I'm all about, Fall 2021, Disney Plus, Hawkeye, uh, logo of the Fraction AHA series. Hawkeye. It should be Hawkeye. That is my right. only only issue with this. Introducing Kate Bishop. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm here for that. Uh, and I think of all the things uh, I might be the hearest for, uh, Thor, Love, 
and Thunder. I love it. Again, Again oh, these the titles, subtitles. The titles are wonderful. <laughs> these movies are earning their colons. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, clean, healthy colons. Um, <laughs> directed by Taika Waititi, Natalie Portman is back as Jane. Uh, you know, I, had you asked me a couple of years ago, probably wouldn't have been excited about that. But they're giving her the hammer. They're doing Jane Thor. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting potential in that. This will be before Guardians 3. Yeah, that's not even part of the slate. So my assumption is we're not going to get the Asgardians of the Galaxy, as some people have kind of hoped for, that Thor will leave the Guardians somewhere at the beginning of this. So we might get a Guardians cameo, yeah. which would be fun. Yeah. but we'll Bring in the rabbit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I assume Jane will be on Earth, and we're going to get back to some Earth stuff. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's Psycho TV. I will let him... I will watch what he does. I do miss Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so that's going to be great. And it's going to be great to see Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson on screen again, because their chemistry is just... Mwah. Oh. Chef's, chef's kiss. Every moment they're on screen together, you just can't... Stop watching. They're delightful. Yeah. Um, and then finally... This is my big one. This was a toss-off announcement at the end, apparently. But uh, we're getting Blade again. But it's Mahershala Ali as Blade. And between his amazing turn on Luke Cage mm -hmm. and... I accept for you, Green Book is a problematic best picture winner. And it, there are many, many problems with it as a film. The thing that is not a problem in that film is Mahershala Ali's gangbusters performance. This guy... I mean, he's an Oscar winner. Yeah, twice over now. Yeah. This guy, you put him on screen and again, you are hypnotized. And I think he is going to kick ass as Blade. Oh, 100%. Um, now, if they could only find a way to get Wesley Snipes, if they could convince him to play Whistler, Ooh. I, I would be even more excited. I, I know Wesley Snipes won't do it because Blade is his thing, but I think that would be... I thought not paying taxes was his thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if they could do that in the same way that this summer's Shaft did the multi-generational Shafts, uh -huh. I would be happy. That, yeah, I could see that working. Uh, so so that's the Marvel Studios slate. And that doesn't even get into things that have been greenlit, like Guardians 3, and there's probably going to be a Spider-Man 3, and assuming a Captain Marvel 2, and a Black Panther 2. So, uh, yeah, we're not... That content train isn't uh, drying up anytime no. soon. DC has been quiet this con. I mean, there's some additional uh, promo images from... Birds of Prey, mm -hmm. plenty of uh, CW-related announcements, but yeah. I'm wondering if Warner is sort of quietly stepping back for a little bit, letting some of the must go off some of these properties and hoping to relaunch with something along the lines of either the Batman or the Suicide Squad as the beginning of maybe not an MCU-esque things. I think they might have learned that they mm -hmm. shouldn't be doing the joined connected universe, but 
something like that to make the their new slate of movies feel fresher again. Either that or okay, so the things we know are coming out are Joker and Birds of Prey, right? They've got release dates, they exist. There is there's footage, trailers, etc. I think you given the size of of what was coming from Marvel and they probably knew it you weren't going to be able to bring anything to the table that was going to compete with that. You you stay quiet for now. You wait till like New York or DC's big thing the last few years uh, has been uh, WonderCon in Anaheim. True. So maybe you wait until early spring. I mean, what was the, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the last bit of real you know DC movie news that I've heard. It was, I think it was like that Flash movie changing directors again. Yeah, I mean, I, the occasional bit of Suicide Squad casting announcements here and there or possible casting announcements. I don't think anything is really cemented there yet. Yeah, and then there, well there's a poster for Wonder Woman 2. Yes. Right, and uh, there is Wonder Woman 2, which that's again sort of there. We know it's coming. We know that that and Joker are coming. We know Birds of Prey is coming, but they're slowly eking out yeah. little bits of information on I think that. you wait till you have a trailer to show for Wonder Woman 2. Because mm. that's what's going to build your hype up and then you can say and, but wait, there's more. Here's what else we've got coming. It, it, it's, t- it's too early for DC to be making big announcements. But speaking of big announcements, let's get into comics. Let's get into the reason for the season. Let's get into the world after Hox Pox. Now, theoretically, I should have detailed notes here about things I want to talk about. I have a lot of things I want to talk about. <laughs> All I wrote was holy forking shirt balls. Yeah. Speaking of which, how's the Veronica Mars revival? I am waiting because I'm going away next week uh-huh. on business where I will not know any of the television channels. So <laughs> I figure I've got an eight-hour Veronica Mars block that every night when I get back to my hotel room exhausted, I will blow through two hours each night and be done by the time I'm back home. I've heard nothing but good things from people who are my fellow marshmallows. So, all about it. I did not know that was the fandom name. That is the fandom name. We are marshmallows. All right. Well, all right. So let's let's get back to X Men. Let's talk about these announcements, which were mind blowing. Uh, yesterday, uh, we got the books. We've got the teams. We've got the creative teams for the Dawn of X for the six series that are going to spin out from House of X and Powers of Ten. Um, okay. All right. So let's just let's just start here. So we've got X Men. Uh, Hickman, no surprise there. Yeah. Lionel Yu, uh, that's a great choice for an artist. He's done X-Men before. He did a bang-up job in the first arc of Tennessee Coates' Captain America. Uh, the, the promo art here looks good. He can mostly keep a monthly schedule for at least a an arc, arc or so, yeah. which is solid. My first reaction when I saw this this cover was, okay, it's the Summers family. With Wolverine taking the place of the drunk uncle who hits on mom every... Or his brother's wife, not mom. Mom, that would be weird. Er, but hits on his brother's wife, you know, every holiday. Uh, because he just sort of seems, you know, one of these things is not like the other. Unless somehow Wolverine is an ancestor of the Summerses. Okay, so I did not... Shame on me. I did not draw the Summers family connection when I first saw this promo image, but what we're looking at here is uh, Scott front and center, uh, Wolverine again, uh, the one the one who is not a Summers uh, unless something gets revealed. Uh, <laughs> Rachel, um, 
Jean, who's who's still in the Marvel Girl costume. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't get that. I'm hoping that's explained somewhere. Short of, well, that's the costume Jonathan Hickman likes, so we're running with it. I almost kind of wish she kept the mod look from Age of X Men. Neither here nor there. Um, Havoc, who this will begin a, a thread of subtangents within this section called. I thought they were dead. <laughs> um, yeah. Guys, I was all right. So, quick, quick confessional tangent here. Uh, so, for X Men of the Week this week, I was prepared to do a tribute, a loving in memoriam reel to all the characters who had died during Matt Rosenberg's uh, uncanny run from from blindfold problematic as it was to everyone who died in the last issue. I think Fabian Cortez got stepped on. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> I don't think I can do that now. Seventy-five percent of them are alive. If not more, what is happening? Okay, anyway, Kid Cable, still in the mix from Ed Brisson's X-Force run. Corsair, everyone's favorite space pirate. Absolutely. And in the back, uh, the the relative they all keep up in the attic and don't like to talk about, Vulcan. Matt, why? You got me. I mean, maybe... Hickman can do something interesting with this character. I'm sure he can. There is potential for this sort of lost third Summers brother angry character. You're talking about Adam Naramani? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I I wish. But no one has done it particularly right. I mean, Brubaker, when you think about it, he was created by Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. And then written... Very good writer. Right, and then written by Abnett and Lanning. Oh, and Chris Yost did a couple of miniseries, and then Abnett and Lanning took him. These are all really solid writers. It's just that he has never... is not a solid ca- human being. Character. No, he was created as a plot device. Mm-hmm. But you know what? So was Layla Miller. And Peter David did really interesting things with Layla Miller. So there is potential for them to do some really interesting things with Vulcan. I just live in fear of him remaining being this one-note psychopath. But he's the Poochie of the Summers family. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on. We got a name that has not been in the mix since the mid-2000s. Excalibur is back. Uh, And not only that, but Betsy Braddock is Captain Britain again for the first time in decades. That's cool. Yes. I'm already liking that concept. Uh, also on this team, we've got, well, first of all, the creative team, Teeny Howard. Welcome to the Xbox, Teeny. Hope you survived the experience. Yes. Uh, drawn by Marcus Toe, who did a great job on Next Gen. Oh, Marcus Toe, I've been a fan of his since he did the Tim Drake Red Robin series back mm. right before uh, the New 52. I've got a uh, Cassandra Kane Black Bat sketch of from him in my sketchbook. Cool. Uh, also on this team, uh, new to Excalibur, we've got Rogue and Gambit, fresh off of Mr. and Mrs. X. Glad that they are on the same team. Yep. we got Jubilee. We've got Richter. Uh, glad to see Rick. <laughs> and uh, Apocalypse. There is a definite Justice League Odyssey vibe here with, oh, yeah. you know, your sort of lower A-list, upper B-list characters, in the case of Odyssey, Starfire, Cyborg, 
teamed up with a big, big bad. A big, dark, scary blue bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dark side and apocalypse. But so, this is an apocalypse who's changed, Matt. This is an apocalypse who has learned to love and understands the value of raw eroticism. <laughs> I mean, he is making out with Mario McTaggart on the cover of uh, House of X5, so... That, that is the grossest thing I've ever seen. It is terrifying. <laughs> it is terrifying. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to feel about sexy beast apocalypse, especially in that Will Slinney drawing where he's got 4chan face. I just, uh, this is going to take some getting used to. <laughs> I have evolved. It's time to get down. <laughs> um, okay, next book. This is this is interesting. This one is fascinating. It is okay. So we're talking about Marauders, and we're not talking about blockbuster Vertigo, Scalp Hunter, Harpoon, Scrambler, uh, Arclight, and a clone of Sabretooth. And a, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I did that. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I named them all, and I don't care to finish. Yeah. Um, okay, written by Jerry Duggan, playing in the X-Men sandbox uh, after some time in space with the Guardians and before that Deadpool. Uh, and penciled by Matteo Lolli, who's worked on Deadpool with Duggan. Uh, this is this is a pirate book. This is kind of like a gritty reboot of Kitty's fairy tale. Exactly. Uh, so we're looking at Kitty Pride with Lockheed. Uh, Iceman... Storm, still rocking that uh, X-Men red uh, uniform, Bishop, uh, Emma Frost, and Pyro. I believe original, uh, not dead of the legacy virus anymore, Pyro. I'm, I've got to figure the, all of these resurrections are part of Hoxpox. That something is going to happen that is going to resurrect these characters. You know, there's a throwaway line in... I, well, I don't think it's a throwaway line, but there's a line in Uncanny that kind of makes it sound... Uh, it might be Cyclops, I'm not remembering it right, where it's like, oh, they'll all be back. You know, it was also it was almost like an X-Factor when Siren was, like, delusional about when her when Banshee died mm. because of Vulcan. Uh, and she was just like, oh, yeah, he'll be back. You know, they always, they always come back. Sorry, that was a bad Irish accent. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I guess that's part of the plan, but... I don't know. That really blows up my whole theory about Hickman wanted the herd thinned. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the more A-list teams. I mean, it's more of an A-list team than the team on X-Men. I mean, Scott Jean... And all Summer's team is, yeah. is, is a lesser team to you? Personally to me? No. Personally to me, that is a book I've wanted for 20 years. There it is. <laughs> that is a book I have wanted forever. <laughs> but to the general public, you got Scott Jean... Wolverine. Wolverine and those guys. Here, Kitty, Storm, Bishop, Emma, uh, Iceman. Those are all characters that are recognizable to a someone who is only somewhat versed in X lore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just that and you've got Kitty leading the team with Storm on it. Which is saying something about where Kitty has grown to. Well, that's the X-Men Gold lineup, isn't it? Yes. Yes. But it's... I find it fascinating that we've reached the point where Kitty now leads the team over Storm. Mm-hmm. Not that it's a bad... It shows that Kitty has you know, matured and grown and become this character that in some ways is replacing... Scott as the embodiment of the dream. 
because Scott has sort of gone off the reservation so many times <laughs> lately. True. That Kitty is the one who is the next generation of the belief in Charles Xavier's dream. That makes all the sense in the world. And for more on Scott going off the reservation, check out the Age of X-Men pieces at WMQ Comics by both Matt and Chris Edelman. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it's also that thing of old white guys like writing Kitty. Yeah, there's that. Middle-aged white guys. Um, they all grew up, you know, Greg Rooka said when he was on Jay and Miles explaining the X-Men, I mean, that was the, the character that everyone in his age group had a crush on. Yeah. Accessible. Um, make make Kitty queer, you cowards. Anyway. Damn right. Uh, New Mutants. Okay. All right. This is, this is where I explode. Yeah. Creative team, Jonathan Hickman, co- uh, joined on the first issue by Ed Brisson. Cool. Art by Rod Reese. Now, let's look at this lineup. And, and this, we're going to get back to my theory about the, the X-Men and coming back and all that. So we got Danny Moonstar, uh, alive at the end of Uncanny. Yes. Karma, left the team to take care of Shogo. Didn't die. Okay, so far so good. Yep. Doug Ramsey, I don't think he was dead. No. I mean, most recently... I know he got addicted to the internet. He was hanging out... No, I was going to say he was hanging out with Daredevil, but that was all in Murdoch's head. So... That Charles Soule run is something, isn't it? The end of it was a trip. Interesting. Okay. Uh, now, Doug has a warlock arm. Which we do see in Hawks number one. The preview art from Hawks number one does indeed show him with the warlock arm. Okay. Um, well, I mean, Warlock, he's a techno-organic being. You can, yep. you can always bring him back. I'm just saying, Warlocks, the Jamie Madrox clone that had Warlock in him, <laughs> died. He did. Wolfsbane died. Died horribly. Died in a way that made people upset. Was dead. Yes, and resurrecting her... Is, it's one of those cases where it's like, okay, people will be happy because her shitty, shitty death didn't happen... But at the same time, it's like, you did this whole thing that created this whole controversy, and now it's just like, look, hey, it's Wolfbane! <laughs> look over here. Chamber. Died. Oh, yeah. Died killing the Marauders. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> by the way, when he killed the Marauders, just by breathing fire on them, that was awesome. Yes. Um, magic. Turned into the Dark Child. I don't even remember how that happened, but it happened. She got demutified by General What's-His-Face. Oh, and her yeah. mutant thing part was the only thing keeping the Dark Child in check. Right, and she went to hell and dragged the Huggernaut with her. Yes. Um, Sunspot died in War of the Realms. And Mondo. When was the last time we saw Mondo anywhere? Generation X-24. Five? I honestly I think don't he pops know. up in Jay Fairber's run of Generation X a little later. Oh, does he? Okay. I believe so. Our, yeah, but this was a character I wasn't looking for. This was a character who... You know, he was in early promotional art for Generation X. Mm-hmm. And then he never became a thing. He popped up in Age of Apocalypse first. I think he was on Generation Next. Okay. And then he popped up in a couple issues of Generation X, hanging out with one of the Frost sisters. Cordelia, maybe? I I can never remember which one of the Frost sisters is which. Yeah. And then it turned out, oh, wait, no, he's evil. 
and then he went away, and then I think Jay Ferber used him, and then he went away, and I don't think he's really popped up anywhere since. Maybe in some background. Was he in Necrotia? Because I never read Necrotia. I don't remember him in Necrotia. I'm assuming <laughs> he's been in some background scenes in some of the, you know, hey, corporate X-Corp, or uh, something like that. I, I can't even remember, but... There are so many cult favorite mutants out there. Mondo's not one of them. Exactly! Maggot! <laughs> Throw Maggot on there. Who from the early New Mutants is missing? I mean, Sam. But Sam is off in space, you know, Being with a, a family. good dad, finally, after doing the X-Force Nostalgia Tour. Yep. <laughs> is he really it? Because the, the big... You got one, two, three, four... Five, six. Yeah, he's the one of the original new, the only one of the original new mutants who's not on, or the golden age new mutants who's not here. Okay, uh, let me tell you my theory. Now we talked about all the death in Uncanny. Now of the cast of Uncanny and also the cast of New Mutants, there's one person who is supposed to be able to see it coming when people die. That didn't really happen, did it? No, it didn't happen even before. And in fact, War of the for Realms. a time, she reclaimed her Valkyrie mantle. Mm. It still really wasn't happening, but there was no discussion of her powers being on the Fritz. Mm. So, does that show, or or was that the the tip off that none of these deaths mattered? That is a very interesting theory. Or is it just a product of that whole 12-issue story coming so fast and furious with bringing in characters and then killing them off that there was no time to really get into that because at the end it was the Scott Logan and Emma show. Yeah, I, I got nothing. I mean, between the resurrections of characters just to kill them again. Fabian thing? Cortez. Oh, <laughs> oh, Fabian Cortez. Oh, the upstarts in general. It was nice to see them again, even <laughs> if they all just died quickly thereafter. You aristocratic douchebags. Because let's be fair, I can watch Trevor Fitzroy and Fabian Cortez get killed over and over again, a la Kenny on South Park, and be perfectly happy about it. Because those guys are asses. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's New Mutants, and it'll be very interesting to see. Maybe they're all warlocks again. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Okay. Here's a name we haven't seen in 30 years. Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels is back. Uh, Brian Edward Hill. Uh, he's uh, He did the... What if exe dot men one shot back in the fall? Uh, so he's he's coming back to play in the X Men sandbox. Uh, past guest of the show, happy to see him. Uh, Pencil by Zyman Kudransky, not a name I'm familiar. Uh, with. He has done some bat stuff over the years. He uh, did a long run, I believe. If this is the guy I'm thinking of, he did a long run on Spawn. He's got a very dark, very shadowy, very um, sort of Alex Malevi sort of vibe. Interesting. Especially uh, compared to this this teaser art by Ashley Witter, which looks very much like X-Men Tokyo Drift. Yeah, no, no. He is, if Kudrinsky, and I'm 99% sure, when I saw the name, it immediately clicked. Mm -hmm. He did a Penguin miniseries, and he did this run on Spawn. 
So here we are looking at Kid Cable, uh, X-23, and then in the foreground, uh, Psylocke. But not actually Psylocke, because Betsy is Captain Britain. This is Quanon. Remember her from Uncanny and being half of Betsy? <laughs> yeah, she at least, as far as I recall, didn't die in Uncanny. So Did she just disappear? I think she just disappeared. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's definitely... See, classic Betsy's not the right word. Because classic Betsy is the Betsy we see. This is 90s bathing suit Psylocke. Yes. With the the kind of wrist-mounted knife as opposed to the arsenal of psychic right. construct weapons. She's almost like a fuchsia lantern This now. is flat-out Jim Lee Psylocke. Yes. There. That is the best way to describe it. Uh, and in fact, the teaser art, you know, it's definitely one of those sort of like, here's my butt poses. <laughs> I mean, she even has a katana in one in the hand i mean you can't really see it but you see yeah. the hilt of the katana so we are going full ninja here yeah but and, we are not what we are not going is anywhere near the original fallen angels which when we're talking about cult favorite characters there are a lot of people wondering where bill the lobster is yeah yeah <laughs> and this is note the second book with kid cable yeah. He is one of three characters that will be on two teams. We'll be getting to the other two characters on two teams momentarily. Yes. All right. So here we go. This is this is one of the bigger teams, and it's a good lineup. Uh, it's uh, an interesting uh, writer choice. Uh, uh, all right. So we're talking about X-Force, um, written by Benjamin Percy, uh, who writes the uh, the Wolverine podcasts, uh, you know, The Long Night, The Lost Trail, um, penciled by Joshua Kassara, another name I'm not too familiar no, with. he's one I'm vague on, too. Yeah. Great cover from Dustin Weaver, regular yeah. con- uh, collaborator with Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He did... Um, Rats. Shield. Thank you. Uh, okay. So this is this is your lineup for X Force, and there's a lot of very un X Forcey people on this team, but uh, we got Wolverine, makes sense, right? Yep. Colossus has been on an X Force before. Absolutely. Uh, Domino has been on an X Force before. Yep. Definitely somebody you want on your Wetwork squad. Sure thing. She's still wearing the David Baldion outfit from Gail Simone's solo series. That's nice to see. Yep. I'm a big fan of that. Sage, Sage is back. I can see her on an X-Force team. Yeah. I mean, and she was Xavier's undercover op for years. Yeah. Uh, Jean Grey. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Again, in the Marvel Girl outfit. Mm, okay. Um, Beast. I mean, he's made some choices. Yes, he has. Let's not, let's not act like Hank McCoy is an angel. No, believe me, you don't have to make that argument with me. Yeah. My, my shameless Cyclops <laughs> apologist-isms come with being a shameless Hank hater the, and the problem is for me I loved Hank McCoy Hank during the 90s I lo- even the early aughts I loved me some Hank McCoy through like Morrison you want that bouncing blue furred beast that, that you know makes jokes while quoting Yeats yes I just I want him to be less of a hypocrite Scott might be an ass but Scott has you know completely owned being an asshole <laughs> Hank has made many questionable moral choices and you know he does that whole for the greater good thing which mm. is like that's a cop out Henry <laughs> and you were the guy who was all oh X-Force is bad when it turned out there was you know Scott had the hit squad and now you're on the team huh go figure 
back to the rest of this lineup. We got Quentin Quire, fresh from the West Coast Avengers. Yep, and again wearing a T-shirt that says Nathan and Nina and Gavidra and Tabitha and Maria and Sam and James. There might be another one there. Anyway, it's a it's a throwback to the original X Force. I love. I'm on record. I love Quentin Quire shirts. I'm wearing Magneto. Was right right now actually. <laughs> yeah, Quentin Quire is a character who has grown on me so much. I mean, when he was in Morrison's run, he was a fairly one note character. He was rebellious youth. But slowly over time, between Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men, again, read my piece about uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, and then West Coast Avengers, Quentin Quire has become a really interesting character. And I think he makes sense on an X-Force team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But that means they also have two sides. Yes, there is that. Now, the solicitation copy does hint that this is two sort of competing Yes, that is teams? a good point. And in fact, in the sort of iconography of the cover, there is a split down the middle, uh, like a lightning thing. It almost looks like some Emperor Palpatine lightning action. Um, we should mention the last member of this team, probably the most unorthodox, <laughs> Black Tom Cassidy. No Banshee anywhere to be found. We've got the tree monster. Yep. And, you know, he's here and no sign of his pal, the Huggernaut, his hetero life mate. I'm upset about that. Yeah. I'm very I... upset about that. Juggernaut... <laughs> I feel bad every time they now use Juggernaut as a villain because he sort of really earned his redemption. They did a long arc of him becoming a good guy. And by them you mean Chuck Austin. And Claremont. Okay. Claremont mm-hmm. brought him over to New Excalibur mm-hmm. where he hung out with Dazzler, who we all know he loves. <laughs> sort of, not maybe not completely platonically, but not in a creepy way. Mm-hmm. He, he was never a creeper. Which was is good because Kate Marco, for all of his many problems, bully. Yes, yes, he is the Flash Thompson of the X books when Hmm. Flash eventually became friends with Peter Parker. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, Okay, so that's okay. Here we go. Here's the solicit text. We were talking about that split. X Forces is the CIA of the mutant world. One half intelligence branch, one half special ops. Special Ops half. Here's your Special Ops half. Your Colossus Wolverine Domino Choir. And this is your Intelligence half. Beast, Gene, Sage. Um, I might trade Black Tom and Colossus here. You know, but I can see Black Tom being the guy who goes into the seedy bars who everybody knows. Oh, you send him to the bar with no name for intel? Yes. Kind of a thing? Okay, I see that. I see that. Uh, so that is that is wave one. Uh, obviously, way too early to know anything about wave two. Hickman says this is a multi-year process. Uh, Jordan White, though, the X-Men line editor, did tease uh, yesterday's panel, uh, Saturday's panel, you'll be hearing this on Tuesday, or Monday if you subscribe to our Patreon, uh, that Leah Williams is going to have a book in wave two. So, yay. Hellfire? Maybe. I mean, we get a hint of the, what, the Hellfire Trading Company in Marauders. Yeah. So. That, that's some interesting colonial. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's literally a pirate book. There's some weird stuff They're going on. They're on a on. ship. Kitty has a, a cutlass. <laughs> Yar. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that all the elementals are on this team. Yeah. Well, th- half the team is elementals, is what I really should say. 
Yeah. You know, this is almost like, this is like uh, if you're playing with a Final Fantasy team and you've got a white mage and a red mage and a black mage. You know? Or like you've trained them all up in like fire, ice, and lightning. You needed either Avalanche or this is where you put Mondo because they're Earth. Mm. And you got Earth, Storm is Wind, Bobby is Water, and Pyro as Fire. You'd have all four elements. Yeah, I would like to see Avalanche over Mondo, though, because I do enjoy the friendship between Pyro and Avalanche. Absolutely. Or even Blob, sort of, as Earth is, you know, he's... Blob, where is our good boy? Yeah! Where is our sweet mustachioed cinnamon roll? I mean, maybe he'll... I mean, maybe these aren't the full team. We have other characters. They're probably not. It's just, it's interesting. It's like, okay, like, you six characters go here. You six go... there's There's a math to it that you can only get from a writer who is notorious for charts and graphs. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and back matter. I'm looking forward to all of the crazy back matter. Yeah. It's an interesting collection of creators, some new voices, some old voices. I'm glad to see Brian Hill. Yes. But at the same time, and as Dennis pointed out, there will be a wave too, and Leah Williams is in there. We went from a lot of parody mm. to again a mostly white male slate uh, as someone who's works in the arts one of the things that there's a lot of talk about when planning a season of plays for a theater is gender parody mm. with playwrights that is a major point in a lot of theaters now so I see things like this, and that is one of the things in my head. There definitely, I mean, Age of X Men. You definitely had more of that between you know Leah and Sean and 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 uh, you know to to the ex- extent that they're comfortable being grouped in this. You know, Vita. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy to see Teeny Teeny Howard on yes. the next book. Uh, oh I, no! I, I hope we get more. Uh, female queer and femme presenting writers because I really think what they've brought to the table these past few months has been magical. I'm on, I'm on record as, as, you know, saying that before. There is a lot more racial diversity in the artists. You got Marcus Toe, mm-hmm. um, Mamuda. Oh, no, that's a cover. But I mean, you get Linnell Yu. That, that's where there is a little more of that diversity. I mean, I'm not familiar enough with all of these artists. Yeah. I, I'm familiar enough with the writers, but that's, what I'm mostly familiar with when yeah, it comes but, to but I mean creators. this is this is just the beginning very true and based on what I've seen uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> well played um, so we've been at this for uh, a good 45 minutes and there's there's you know I, I think we're at lightning round yeah, mode yeah that's um, you t- literally took the words right out of my mouth yeah Watchmen trailer I was not excited for this beforehand. This is now at least interesting. I'm I'm more here for it than I thought it would be. Excuse me. And the thought that I had was this actually looks like Doomsday Clock, but I want to watch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's it feels like it's set in a post Watchmen world you know what we're seeing is the police are starting to wear masks now there's gangs of like conspiracy minded Rorschach uh, masked vigilantes roaming the streets 
Uh, Adrian Veet apparently has faked his own death and aged and is Jeremy Irons. I think that's the impression I'm supposed to get. Mm. Uh, people, people want wonder, to know where Dr. Manhattan is. Don Johnson has power and authority. <laughs> I, I'm assuming we are not going to see a giant Georgia O'Keeffe squid monster. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to see the giant Georgia O'Keeffe squid monster finally done on screen, but I'll live. Yeah. But so, so it's by no means a, a straight adaptation. I mean, we've already gotten one of those in the Zack Snyder film, so we didn't need to do it again. Um, certainly, I trust Damon Lindelof as a showrunner. You know, people who've seen The Leftovers rave about it. <laughs> um, and also, as I met, as I said to Matt uh, prior to recording, they put David Bowie's Life on Mars in it. So, you know, that that's kind of like an insta magic bullet kind of has an effect on me type thing. You put Bowie in anything <laughs> and I, I, it ratchets up my interest at least like two steps. Yeah. I mean, a deeper pull. Don't come at me with changes or space oddity. You know, Unless it's the Venture Brothers. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not Henchman 24. <laughs> the dude from Labyrinth. The dude from Labyrinth turned into a bird and flew away. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, on the subject of trailers, Jane Silent Bob reboot. <laughs> I'm sad. Like, so I'm definitely somebody who grew up watching all those Kevin Smith movies. I ducked out at Zach and Miri make a porno. I think was my last one. Yeah, I've got yoga hosers on my Netflix queue, and I'll get around to it someday. You know, I I have I have a nostalgia for those characters, but I do get how they maybe haven't aged well, and just seeing them all kind of go back to this well, like all of them, like Jason Lee, Ben Affleck, and and people with minor roles in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Jason Biggs, James Vanderbeek. Dogma still holds up. I still have a, a soft, a real affection for Dogma. And Affleck was still the bomb in Phantoms, but that's not very <laughs> the point. The point is, like, I didn't look at this saying, I want to see this. I looked at it and I said, I'm going to see this. Yeah. You know, but not in a way that I was excited about. In, in a, well, I've come this far sort of way. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, tell him Steve Dave, he said, sadly. Um, yeah, okay. Other other quick hits. Uh, we mentioned Leah Williams before. Uh, she's in The Wave 2. Uh, she's writing a, a Mary Jane solo book for Marvel. That's I'm going to read it. Yeah. It put, it put, you know, I, I'm going to read that Gwenpool series that's coming out too. So yeah, you, I'll read anything that Leah throws out there right now. Yeah. Um, Come back on our show. Uh, Rob Liefeld is doing a G.I. Joe book. And that's going to be bananas. Especially because it's focusing on snake eyes. So yeah. he's basically going to be able to pencil Deadpool and then just change the costume. He's <laughs> all this, the same poses, the katanas, the whole nine yards. Um, I didn't read Major X. It looks nuts. But I do. I love me some G.I. Joe. I might pick it up just to see what he does to my childhood. I am probably going to get the trade on Major X at some point. Because I've heard it's nothing but completely batshit insane. Yeah, I'll just trade weight that. I it, Bonkers. Um, you're excited for this next one. Oh, I'm very excited for this one. So the Russo brothers of... Captain America and Avengers fame have announced a couple of new projects. One of them is a film adaptation of Battle of the Planets. Not my jam. But they are doing the film adaptation 
of John Ostrander and Tim Truman's Grimjack. What is that? Grimjack <laughs> is a comic, an independent comic from the 80s, featuring a mercenary named John Gaunt, also known as Grimjack. He is grizzled and old and owns a bar in a city that sits at the center, the, the nexus of realities. Like other universes phase in and out of, you know, contact with Sinisher, the name of the city. And he's a mercenary and he winds up getting into crazy, you know, not capers because caper has a, a crazy and adventures isn't right either. Mm -hmm. Cases. Uh, I mean, he's got... You know, a couple of buddies. He's got an old war uh, guy he fought in the demon wars with who runs a gang whose girlfriend is an actual goddess and goes by goddess. He was a member of the the police force and his old partner is still on there and he goes to him and, you know, constantly is giving him bribes to give him more information. He is grizzled and unpleasant and has a dark past there's a lot of Wolverine in there, mm -hmm. but Grimjack sort of predates a lot of that Wolverine stuff that came up later. He's an archetype. It, it's that archetypical, you know, guy with a past, haunted by his past, who's now just trying to live, maybe not a quiet life, but a less horrible life. And every time he gets out, they pull him back in. Ah. series ran for 80-something issues in the 80s, and there have been a couple of Grimjack Year One-esque miniseries done in the mid-aughts from Ostrander and Truman. Uh, the original book, Truman did the beginning, Tom Mandrake came on for the, sec for the second third, and Flint Henry did the back half, or back third. Uh, it's a great comic. You can find a lot of it in dollar bins. I've been slowly tracking it down. I need like six issues to complete my run. Uh, the really cool thing about Grimjack, if you want to track down those singles, is that every issue had a Grimjack story at the beginning and then a backup set in Munden's Bar, mm. the name of the bar that Grimjack owns. Mm. And that was a showcase of major 80s talent who came in and wrote and drew those backups there's a, a brian boland wrote and drew one there is a story with the teenage mutant ninja turtles by eastman and laird in munden's bar wow yeah it's you get all these great creators uh uh ostrander's wife kim yale uh wrote some of the backups Del close the legendary uh improv comic one of the founders of the improv movement of the 80s who knew ostrander back in his chicago theater days wrote some of that stuff it's a great great book and i think the russo brothers can do that really gritty thing and won't try to make won't make the same mistake that was made in the Dark Tower film adaptation, mm -hmm. where Roland DeShane, the lead of the Dark Tower series, and John Gaunt, Grimjack, are very similar characters. Okay. But in the Dark Tower movie, they tried to make Roland not fluffy and friendly, but they, you know, softened his worse edges. And that made him a less interesting character. And I think the Russos will accept that this is a flawed, dark hero. Mm-hmm. 
almost to the point at sometimes when he more is protagonist than hero and will run with that i'm super excited for this okay awesome uh let's see um all right dc dc let's 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 have a talk sit sit down sit down. no 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 turn turn the chair facing forwards we're not doing the the, the turn the chair around backwards thing okay i'm not michelle pfeiffer uh, this isn't a coolio video so a couple weeks ago you came out you said all right we're consolidating our lines we're going to do it by age age appropriateness here's your kids here's your here's your teens and up here's your black label for the adults okay we're going to do away with vertigo it's going to make a lot of people sad but you know we've got some good stuff coming up we're going to do a pop-up imprint with joe hill that's cool. We're gonna do a high fantasy thing with Phil Kennedy Johnson. All right, we're Keep gonna do the some Gerard stuff. Way imprint yeah. going. Young Animals. That'll yeah. still be the pop up imprint. Yeah. Now, you come to Comic Con, and you tell everybody. Oh, and also, we're gonna do a young adult line too. So, four bands. So theoretically, we could have kept and consumed this entire time, and it's it's a. What are, you do- what are you doing? I think what part of that is the fact that people couldn't remember which one was Ink and which one was Zoom. I, so I couldn't. I just, really couldn't. So just calling them kids and younger reader or young readers is easier. Young adults is easier. But it kind of... And I'm fine with that. I'm fine of keeping DC graphic novels for young adults as its own imprint or li- line. These are really lines yeah, rather than yeah. imprints. But... It seems like they realized after they made this big announcement, oh crap, we should have kept that separately and now let's quickly backtrack and make this its own thing. There is, we're going to look back at this period when we're buying things in in trade at all this like messy nomenclature from the last two years. And it's like when I look at the first couple volumes of Transmetropolitan and I'm like, what the hell's Helix? Oh, that, that, that that's an imprint. That, that's an imprint that... The only things that people remember from that are Transmet and uh, Garth Ennis and Carlos Esquera's Bloody Mary. That was a Helix book. Oh, okay. But it was transplanted and now is traded under the Vertigo banner if it hasn't even moved over to Image since Ennis has taken some of his creator own so stuff. So it was basically Vertigo UK. It was specifically science fiction. It was all sci-fi books. Okay. So Bloody Mary's a dystopian sci-fi future, as is Transmet, mm-hmm. as were a bunch of the other Helix books that nobody remembers. Hmm. Vertigo at that time was much more of a dark fantasy line. They hadn't really branched out transmet brought sci-fi in there and we weren't quite at the time of 100 bullets mm-hmm. and uh some of the ed brubaker stuff i think ennis also helped that because he did pride and joy which is a crime miniseries early vertigo mm-hmm. but when vertigo launched it was really sort of viewed as a dark fantasy line so i mm-hmm. think they took helix and said okay we're gonna make this our you know high concept darker sci-fi line mm-hmm. and then they realized a, mo- nobody's reading most of these books, and B, why don't we just put it all under Vertigo because people dig that, Yeah, and they did. There you go. The more you know. Uh, <laughs> sticking with DC, uh, Matt, what is your early take on the Warren Ellis, Brian Hitch, Batman's Grave 12 issue that was announced? 
it is going to be interesting. Ellis has written some interesting Batman before. Uh, I mean, he did a couple issues of Legends of the Dark Knight. Most notably, he did Batman Planetary. I mean, this is not going to be my Batman, because I think the, some of the stuff that Ellis has already said is this is a much more disturbed incarnation of Batman. Is this going to be the goddamned Batman? I don't think he's going to be that far down the line. <laughs> I don't think anybody else is going to write a Batman who's quite that far down the line. <laughs> but I think it's going to be gorgeous. I think it's going to be fascinating. I have no problem reading an incarnation of Batman who is not necessarily my Batman, mm -hmm. as long as it is an interesting Batman. I think that... The closest we're going to get to the goddamn Batman again is Sean Murphy's Batman mm. in uh, White Knight. That is a goddamn Batman. Yeah, he's the closest we've got to that iteration. And that's not my Batman. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Ellis has said stuff, but this is a Batman who sort of, when he's investigating murders, he sort of does that whole profiler, like becoming the victim's yeah, mindset. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. There's a little bit of the human target in there, mm. and I'm kind of like, okay, let's see how Batman-y some of this other stuff is, because if that was where you wanted to go, could you have just done a new iteration of the human target? I think Ellis would have... I think Ellis would write a great human target. Yeah, but here's the thing. Is that a name that you could sell a book with? Oh, God, no. No, you'll sell a book with Batman. Yeah. You don't need to that's even... That's why there's like five Joker Black Label projects. Yeah. But, hey, it's Ellis, it's Hitch. I'm... There's nothing they could do short of Batman shags sheep that would get me to not <laughs> read this book. Um... We're keeping in this milieu, uh, DC also announced a, a birds a new Birds of Prey book, which a great movie coming out. B great, haven't seen that title around in a while. What do you think about the choice of writer of Brian Azzarello? Brian Azzarello is a writer who I am so hot or cold on. Mm. There is stuff of his that I love uh the first half of 100 bullets his wonder woman uh an el diablo miniseries he did with daniel zazelge okay um a vertigo it was a vertigo miniseries mm -hmm. um but then there's stuff like the back half of 100 bullets or his uh gangster werewolf book moonshine out of uh image that I've read all of mostly because of Eduardo Rizzo's tremendous art that just leaves me completely cold. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure there are people who dig it and I'm not faulting anyone. I, I am a firm believer, as I've said before, that you can, just because it's not to my taste doesn't mean it's not to someone's taste. I'm willing to give it a shot. I am absolutely willing to give it a shot. I think he did really well on Wonder Woman. So I think this could be very cool. I'm a little worried about uh, how thick Harley's Brooklyn accent is going to be here because Azzarello <laughs> is... He takes Claremont's things for accents and takes it to the whole next level. Oh. If you've not read a lot of Azzarello, oh boy, do his <laughs> accents get thick and impenetrable at times. I I'm kind of worried I'm not going to understand third, every third word out of Harley Quinn's mouth. But... <laughs> 
I mean, he's got... It's interesting, this is the first Birds of Prey iteration without... We're going to infiltrate the Thieves Guild. <laughs> uh, no sign of Batgirl. No sign of Barbara. Yeah. It's uh, Black Canary, Huntress, and Harley. So, Azarello does do those flawed characters really well. Those mm-hmm. characters seeking redemption, that kind of thing. And you get that with both Harley and Huntress... And depending on what iteration of Black Canary you're dealing with, you've got a kind of you can do a kind of haunted Black Canary too. Mm-hmm. So I think they're the right team for Azarello as a writer because Babs is a little too White Knight, not the Sean Murphy White Knight thing, but you know <laughs> the character trope of yes, yeah. precisely. So we'll see. Uh, and then uh, kind of also for, also out of the DC vein, this uh, Tom uh, fresh off his uh, four wins at the Eisners and and. For Mitch Garrett's uh, an additional win, or two wins, um, a Tom King, Mitch Garrett's Doc Shaner, Adam Strange book. Strange Adventures is going to be cool. Uh, it's also going to be gorgeous. Oh yeah, between those two, I mean, you could not get two artists whose styles are more divergent, which I think is a great way because it's better to have two artists mm-hmm. sort of tag teaming a book that look nothing alike than two that you could be like no wait which page is by which one here I mean Shaner is an artist who I have been saying for more than a couple years now is waiting for the right book before he blows huge I thought that was going to be the Terrifics yeah not so much no and I mean he did the Nobody read Convergence, but he did the Shazam book in okay. Convergence that was right to his style. He did some of the Future Quest stuff out of when DC was doing the Hanna-Barbera line. Yeah. He is has such a clean, beautiful style. It's not Darwin Cook in the it I mean it doesn't look like Darwin Cook but it has that same really clean really solid style definitely the vibe I get yeah and I think if Strange Adventures is kind of what I'm thinking that we're gonna see him doing classic Ran you know Adam Strange is a young gung-ho sci-fi hero and Jared's in a darker modern Adam Strange Ran thing I think the two will work really well together yeah that, that is uh, I'm looking forward to that um Gone on. I'm trying to think of what else I want to uh, introduce into the mix. Oh, okay. My boy Chippy, Chip Zdarsky, uh, real quick, won the Eisner for uh, Sp- the uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 310. Great issue. Deserved win. Loved his speech where he basically was just like, I'm fucking drunk and I love all of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true Chip fashion. Uh, also, uh, kind of curious about his Comixology original series that they announced uh, just prior to Comic-Con, after Lift. Uh, which is about an Uber ride to hell. <laughs> I will, I will, I will take it. Uh, I'll also take that last arc of sex criminals when, whenever you and Matt can get to it. But I understand you're busy. <laughs> I love you both very much. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of Matt Fraction, Jimmy Olsen number one was incredible this week. Uh, so yeah. Uh, that was a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, have we gone over an hour yet? Yes, we, yes, we have. have. And, and we, a- anything you want to get to that we haven't gotten the chance to touch on, because there is more on this one list. One quick drop. Super excited for a new Lock and Key one-shot. Yeah. It's been a while. I mean, I'm looking forward to Joe Hill's DC imprint, 
But the fact that we're getting a new lock and key from him and Gabriel Rodriguez over at IDW set after the events of the series is one of the big announcements of the con for me. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who hasn't read Lock and Key, my favorite horror comic of all time, really worth your time. Uh, all right, guys. I think that, that I mean, there's, there's a lot more to talk about, but, um, you know, we would be sitting here uh, forever. Go online. Uh, check it all out at uh, WMQComics.com or however you get your, your stuff. Watch trailers, drool, and, you know, share, share the joy with uh, those you love. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics. Where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. Big thanks to our first and foremost patron, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust and the MNT. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Uh, finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA! W-M-Q-A.